it's time to go back to the dungeon far below. Players arrive in time to die. Man, I love to watch them cry. Grab some dice, grab some fun. Join the teachers in the dungeon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon. I'm Tom Gross, and joining me right here in the dungeon is Dan Ream. Hello, Dan. Good morning. With morning voice yet again. Morning voice, and we just happened to say right before this is this is going to be an outtake show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it took me about five times to get that uh, intro started, so but now be, that we're rolling. They'll be so impressed with our basso profundo voices. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and today, this week, I don't have Marcus to harass me the entire show. Yeah. That was good. You looked a little emotionally devastated by that. I was. I was. I <laughs> rolled poorly on my, uh, or actually I rolled too well on my insight and realized that he really was trying to hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, speaking of last week's show, some of the more astute listeners <laughs> may realize that it is it is February. No, 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 I'm sorry. It is March. February and March. It's It's early in the year. And we've already flip-flopped our schedule. Yes. Sorry about that, folks, but today's episode might tell you why that is the case. Because our creature type this month is the kind of tricksters that would do such a thing where they would flip-flop shows or mess things up on you just to see if you're paying attention. Completely unpredictable, Or just to see if it's going to trip you up. So, our show today is Creature Types, and the type is Fae. Yes, yes. I even... Tried to prepare a little bit. I found this. Oh, yes, the Fae. Ineffably beautiful, completely inscrutable, everlastingly capricious. Much like our Illinois weather, one moment warm and placid, the next moment cruel and heartless, but always, <laughs> always unpredictable. I love it. <laughs> I love it. You found that or you wrote that? I, I wrote that. Yes, yeah, so. I was going to say. I, it got a little personal there in <laughs> Illinois and... What not? I say the one constant about Faye from my view is that they always make gameplay more fun. Fun or frustrating, depending on where you're sitting at the table. Yes, yes. From a DM's (laughs) perspective, they make anything and everything possible. So to skip to the ending, my recommendation is to sprinkle more Faye into your homebrews. More Faye. Like the more cowbell on the personnel, but more Faye from Mm -hmm. the DM. Okay, very good. I, before we get started in the Fae, though, I we've got we've been emails have been flooding in, and you've been sending emails out and getting emails back, and it is that time of year where we are starting to look forward to the largest gaming convention in northern northern Amer- North America, or I don't yeah, know if it's I mean the they they probably claim the world, but I think there's a. There's one in West in, in Germany that I'm okay. dating myself. West Germany that hasn't been West that way for that's wow. been thirty years ago. But um, anyway, yes, I think there's one in Germany that's larger. But okay. Gen Con's pretty darn big. So, are you getting excited? So, uh, well, devastated more like I got my oh. I got my time for the housing portal. Oh, if you haven't been to Gen Con, they randomize your access to booking hotels. And and the hotels are, are are pretty much in lockstep that you, you can't go on Expedia and pick those dates for Indianapolis and f- you won't find a hotel right. room. Uh, if you do, they are six hundred and eighty dollars or up per night. Yeah. So it's it's very democratic. 
uh, the Gen Con folks, once you've bought your uh, your badge, they you know just generate a random time when you can access the portal so it doesn't crash. So it starts at noon Eastern time tomorrow. Okay. And my time is 2.17 p.m. <laughs> Two, seven, so two, two hours, hours and 17 minutes after it opens. So I think uh, we're going to be using, using, U- Illinois. Yep, using, <laughs> using Ubers probably to get <laughs> to and from, which isn't terrible. But So I know you and I have talked about this, and we haven't really talked about it on the show. And it's, it's not necessarily criticism. It's just I wish they kind of reorder the way in which things are done mm-hmm. because – we applied for trade day to mm-hmm. present at trade day and that information we don't get confirmation of that until i don't know another two or three weeks yeah and and badges come with that mm-hmm. but badge sales happened last weekend mm-hmm. and then parking sales happened a while ago where you could reserve parking near the stadium right it's all out of but, order but but if I don't know, and then and then hotels are this weekend. Mm-hmm. It's all kind of backward because if I w- if I wasn't able to get a parking or a hotel that's close, well, I would want parking. So then I would want be interested in if we did it in order to be able to get parking next weekend. Yes. But I already had to get yeah. parking <laughs> a month ago when I didn't know where my hotel was going to be, and it could be right downtown, and I could walk, right. but I have a parking spot now. <laughs> And I might have already bought a badge, but then got my trade day. So now I have two badges, and now we have to go through. That's what I. That's that's the situation I'm in. And they'll refund the other badge. But it's all sort of like not in a good order. Yeah. And I realize most people don't do trade day, mm-hmm. so that's not an issue. So then I just go to the the hotel portal. It comes way after the parking. Yeah. Uh, opens up that you could purchase, and it could be. I feel like from a from a from a, a visitor standpoint, it could be streamlined to make more sense of, okay, I got my badge. Good. Now I need a hotel. Next weekend, I get in the hotel portal. Great. I got a hotel, but, oh, I need parking because I'm not close. Get into the next portal for portal. Am I saying, is that right? Yes. <laughs> I feel like it's Dungeon Dragons terms. <laughs> but, uh, but then I need to get parking. Right. I don't know. It's just, it's all sort of just if we ran it. shot. Right. If we ran it, we would know exactly what to do because we know everything about how to run Gen Con. And again, it, like I said, it was, it's that criticism. It's just sort of like, man, I wish they could. I wish they could put it into an order that yeah. makes sense for us. And I have I have bothered them repeatedly with emails already about this issue, and they're very they're very kind about it. They're just like, yeah, sorry, that's the way it is. I'm glad this year you're doing that because you're much more on top of things than I was. But yes, every time last year, I I tried to contact them. It was within a day or so. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't weeks. It was you know tomorrow or the next day, and they were back and and they were very helpful. Yeah. So there is that. Mm-hmm. All right. So there must be some fay in the machine there that are kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, kind of definitely looking up. forward to that. I'm really excited to see how our um, with the result of our application for trade day. Yes. Um, yeah. I think excited. you what came out of last year's conversation with the, the crowd that we had and then the work that you've done to prepare for this year's topic, which we'll talk about another day. But I'm excited for that to yeah, see, to see what kinds of things we can do and the conversation that we have with people. 
um, that that will be exciting. Yes. So yes, let's let's talk creatures. Okay. Let's okay. talk creatures. So I did the research on the background here. So. I, I was going to say, did you even need to do research? Because, <laughs> and the reason I say that, and I'm not joking, is you infuse Faye quite heavily into, especially certain adventures. Our slant adventure mm-hmm. was wildly Fay. That was a good adjective. To yes. Put, to <laughs> um, but uh, but other ones, even ones that are not necessarily focused around Faye, you always have them in there someplace. They're fun um, to, yeah. To they're definitely fun to. us, to irritate <laughs> us, or, uh, except for Mark. Mark always loves it when the Faye show up because <laughs> he just loves to banter with Faye. <laughs> But uh, but so okay so you did a little background let's let's hear the background of the Fey. Yeah. So the the research I did was very it was enough to see that if we really dig into it we'd be here for hours. There's there's a lot. So I'm gonna paint in pretty broad strokes, but uh, just some things to start out with. They do come from the Feywild, which is a different plane, one of the other planes uh, in the kind of cosmology of Dungeons and Dragons, but it's one that's very, very closely aligned with the material plane. Lots of portals between. Mm-hmm. So that explains why you're likely to see so many fey and rather fewer creatures from other planes because it's a little harder to get to the material plane from them. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you've seen Critical Role, I think they did a really nice job. They jump into the Feywild very briefly and the... The, the cartoon, that the animated series that they did on, on Amazon, you get a really good view of uh, their perspective on the Feywild, which I think is accurate. It's, it's uh, very much like a, not that I would know, but very much like an LSD or acid trip. Okay. All right. <laughs> you have uh, rivers flowing uphill and then disappearing, floating mountains, candy-colored trees, mm-hmm. grass that devours anything that steps in it, rain that turns you to stone or to solid diamond. It's just... <laughs> it's and 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 again, it really encourages just wild flights of fancy. If as a DM, you want to bring your party into the Feywild, it just it, seriously anything goes mm-hmm. there. And it's and again, it looks harmless and fun, but can turn in an instant to be very deadly. It it, it kind of allows you to break free of the normal uh, plotting that you would expect from. A usual D and D adventure where things kind of have to make sense, right? Right. So you're you're basing most of your research comes from the uh, Dungeons and Dragons books, the five yes. D books. Mm-hmm. So I did a parallel look at the Fey from a third party. Our friend Andrew K. Wood has his uh, Monsters of the Fey Wild, Monsters of the Fey Wild Two, Feyland, mm-hmm. Feyland, and uh, and so I've been looking through some of those books, uh, exploring that avenue. And okay. I suspect that there's going to be lots of parallel, mm-hmm. but being third party, I, su- I also suspect that there will be slight differences or at least a little bit more structure to uh, the Kwood Publishing uh, book. So uh, just to follow along with what, what you're doing, mm-hmm. in I'm looking at Monsters of the Feywild, Feyland, gosh, I keep messing that up. Mm-hmm. Monsters of the Feyland 2, Well of Dreams is the, is the book that I'm looking at when I, when I did my research. And certainly follows very closely along. He keeps the spirit of the Fae. He describes Feyland as a world where emotions run rampant and nothing is as it seems. Mm-hmm. That that goes right along. 
Um, one thing that you haven't mentioned that I, I think, I suspect you will, and it just hasn't come up, but that, that comes up very early in uh, Monsters of the Feyland is that, uh, or at least it's not mentioned, it's observation on my part, is that it seems to be very nature-based. Mm-hmm. The Fey are very outdoorsy type creatures. In uh, Monsters of the Feyland, it talks about connectedness to seasons, and in this book, there are courts, the fey courts of spring, summer, autumn, and winter, mm-hmm. which really helps to sort of encapsulate how the fey organize themselves, in my mind. And then also alignments go along with each of those. So the, the summer and the spring are generally aligned to the good fey, and autumn and winter are more aligned to the, to the evil fey, and then anything else out there are considered wild fey. So that's that. I I, th- I thought that was an interesting way of organizing the the world in which uh, Keywood Publishing has created. And a note about the good is, just because a fae is good, doesn't mean that they're not going to be ornery mm-hmm. and unpredictable and whatnot. Uh, that I don't know. I didn't really look through the alignments of the monsters and the creatures to see if there are any that are lawful good. I would suspect most fair either chaotic good or chaotic evil. A lot of neutrals. Are, oh, yeah, and a lot of and neutrals. And neutrals. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of their unpredictability. Anyway, so I just want to bring in where my notes are coming from sure. and sort of give the foundation of, of this. So I'll, I'll toss it back to you to continue on your research. From what I can see, there seems to be about six categories uh, that you can put fey into. And the very notion of categorizing fey is sort of <laughs> goes against their nature. And so the, the structure is very chaotic. Um, there's, there's some logic, but there's some that are a lot of, that are very random. And I don't know if that was accidental or if the, the writers of the D&D materials are working on multiple levels here, but it does fit the Fey in general that even categorizing them breaks down a little bit. Got it. So as I said, there are six. And I was going to just run through them real quick, but maybe I'll just do them one by one. And we'll start with the one that we're not going to talk about because it's a whole separate thing, and that's elves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So elves are from the Feywild, but they're more integrated into the material plane than the Feywild anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's drow, there's high elves, there's wood elves, there's eladrin, all sea elves, mm-hmm. all kinds of different categories there. And those are... Now, now a lot of Fey have become playable races, but in the traditional mindset, it was really just the elves right. that were playable. So I figured we'd set those aside, and we could maybe look at that some other time. But it explains why elves have that sort of separatedness, separatedness, mm-hmm. or a, some would consider aloofness. I, see, I always thought that that was just because of how long they lived, mm-hmm. that they had this sort of otherness to the rest of the humanoids in the material plane. It could play into it, I suppose, but the fact that reminding me that they are of the Fey would also give another reason why they have a different sort of perspective on the world. This is a deep cut. Are you familiar with uh, the fantasy author Terry Brooks? Does the Shannara? I know of. Yeah, I know of Terry Brooks. So he built out his his sort of world mythology and had elves and gnomes and trolls and things. Mm-hmm. And in his telling of it, he, he kind of set his stuff in our world, but after 
like there was a big nuclear conflagration, and then ages after, okay. humans sort of reemerged, but they've oh. been mutated. So you had the gnomes and trolls and dwarves were essentially from human stock. Okay. But he made cool. a point of saying the elves are always different. And he did that in the second book, The Elf Stones of Shannara. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but it, it that popped into my head when I was looking at this, that okay. that there's sort of a parallel thing going on there where they're yeah. Their appearance cool. on the material plane is different. I've always wanted to read Terry Brooks, but never have never got. I mean, they're they're sizable books, if I recall correctly. They go pretty quick, but um, uh, but yeah, that sounds cool. He peaked with his second one, I think. Which the Elfstones, sort of Shannara. I, I apologize if I uh, offend anybody here, but it it really is just a Lord of the Rings knockoff. Oh, okay. um, right. Very very beat for beat. Really? Like Lord of the Rings. Interesting. Um, but he published it like in the late 70s, right when there was a wave of Lord of the Rings popularity. And that's kind of when I think the fantasy genre really exploded. Mm-hmm. So he wrote that. And in his second book, is he goes off in a different direction. And to my my feeble mind, it's much more original uh, content, Sure, I would say. So, But anyway, sorry, that's a tangent. Okay, so the first category is... Faith that have connections with place. It's a good geography term. Interesting. So this is, uh, again, it can be a physical location. It can be a physical thing. Most of these are neutral and good. So dryads, naiads, okay. any fae that is connected with, you know, part directly with nature, as you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. So those are fun to work with. Because, again, they can just kind of show up anytime your characters are marching along in in the wilds. Yeah. You know, they can come across a, a, a spring or a brook or a pool with a naiad like you guys did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, dryads are fun. They can You can play them very innocent and skittish. You can play them very seductive if you want. Um, you can portray them as very fierce. They're not high-level CR but they can cast shillelagh, and uh, for a low-level level party, mm-hmm. they they can do some damage, either on your behalf or to you. <laughs> I was going to say, they, they helped us They helped us in that one, I don't know, it was the battle that we, we planned out. And, yes. And if you want to know more about the, the topic that we're talking about, go back and look at our um, slight episodes. Yes. Because this description is there's the battle where they came down into the grove and we sort of tried to drive them in that area. Yeah, I you remember had, them you, them casting You had zombies and and a white coming after yes, you. Yes, that's right. And they did a lot of support magic, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. Yes. So, okay, cool. And what well, you're talking about fae that are have a place. Mm-hmm. Um, the the monsters of Feyland brings up that as a as a as a topic and they talk about how the land that Fae inhabit oftentimes take on a magical sort of aura mm. with unpredictable properties, like you had mentioned floating islands or rivers that seemingly go the opposite direction. Than, mm-hmm. And I think you had a river like that. Wasn't it in Slank where it, it would switch directions or it had it was a two-way river? Mm-hmm. We were going from, we were on the river on a barge. Yes, and I can't remember exactly how that worked, but but nonetheless, I thought of that. Or even just wind that strikes up a conversation with you when you're in and amongst 
a place of the druids or right. the, the the fae, and wind just going through and just whispering to That's you. That's kind of a nice crossover with elementals. It seems like it'd be a natural. Oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, when you mentioned fae with place, that mm-hmm. that came to mind. Yes. So those are definitely fun ones to play, as well. They don't. The, there's not too many examples of those in the actual published D&D materials. There's dryads, and then in some of the earlier ones, there's nymphs and nixies and things like that, but most yeah. of those are not in 5th edition. But once you get a feel for them, it's easy to create your own. That's what I did. I just kind of reskinned a dryad when you guys met the, the water nymph mm-hmm. okay. and, uh, and just changed some of her abilities a little bit, but it's the same right. general idea. See, I would have th- when you said uh, Fay with place. I thought for sure what you were going to say were hags. So, do they fit into a different category? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Ready to move on. Okay. So our next one is well, we'll just go ahead and go to the next one. Hags are their own category. Hey, all right. <laughs> because they are, uh, I I kind of feel like the people at Wizards of the Coast had a mindset that Fay are sort of are very fairy tale like mm-hmm. creatures. Mm-hmm. Hags, particularly green hags, overlay the typical wicked witch of a fairy tale. Okay. So they put hags in that in okay. that in that category. So hags except for night hags. Right. Now again, it's interesting that they chose to do this. I, I'm not quite sure why other than it'd be cool mm-hmm. that the night hags are actually fiends. Okay. So they can function with other hags, but they have a different origin, and they are more powerful. A night hag is. Yeah. Okay. So, and the other the other traditional hags are the sea hag is the weakest, and then the green hag, and then the night hag. But then they've expanded, and they've got the burr hag and the anise hag mm-hmm. that are physically more powerful, but still don't have quite the... the Night hags are nasty. They can actually... They infect your nightmares and they basically just extract your living essence. You used the night hag on us Mm -hmm. at some point. I think you were giving Marcus's character... Yeah. Or was it Chris giving... One of them. Marks. Marks getting uh, uh, those nightmares. Nightmares that take down your HP and they will actually grab your soul and put it in their soul bag. And then you're just dead. Just dead, dead. awful. So I, I kind of pulled my punches with that when I, at that point, I wasn't, you know, I was still a much newer DM and I didn't know how to handle that. So I just didn't push in that direction. The, the bag of souls. Yeah. Jeez, it sounds terrible. The hags are pretty much always evil, okay. but in a fey kind of way. And, and I, again, I think that's what makes green hag. Green hags are my favorite to play. I really like them because they are the typical old witch. Okay. And they, they can be a, a final boss for low-level characters. Mm-hmm. But I think they're more fun to just kind of put in there as an obstacle. If, if a party approaches a green hag, it's not like she's, she's not a demon or, or a, a, a monstrous creature that thinks food. Or whatever, right. she sees them as just you know she she's she's going to be grumpy and she she's going to try to mess with them maybe, mm-hmm. or she might be completely uninterested. Just leave me alone. I want to do my own stuff. I've got 
I've got a cauldron that I'm boiling here. I don't want to talk to you right now. Right. You can play it however you want to play it and, and make her useful to them. And, and this is where, <laughs> again, another tangent. I, I just heard on a podcast the little cliche that no characters in a book can ever be smarter than the author. <laughs> You can't write somebody <laughs> smarter than yourself. And, as hard as some of us might try. And, <laughs> and the, the green hag, the, 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 the lore on her is she, she knows things, she will give you information, but she wants to make a deal, and she will always make a deal where she gives you what you say you want, but it ends up being devastating to you some way. And she loves to cause misery in that way. And I haven't figured out a good way to do that. How to, because you got to work on multiple levels. You got to yeah. figure out what the characters want. You got to figure out a way to give them that, but also figure out a way that when they get what they say they want, it's, mm -hmm. it's painful. I can't help but think about, so you mentioned fairy tales. So my, my brain started going crazy into those stories. And I think about the, who is it? Is it, it's not Cinderella. It's Snow White. Snow mm -hmm. White wants love. Mm -hmm. And she finds the. I hope I'm doing the right one. It's no, it's the one with the apple. The 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 witch with the apple. Mm -hmm. You eat this apple, you'll get your prince. But is it something like that? It seems like those multiple levels show up in that. And I, I guess I think of the witch as potentially a green hag. Oh yeah, definitely. And and the other main thing, and yes, so yes, in in several. I mean, obviously in Wizard of Oz, essentially in Sleeping Beauty, mm -hmm. any of the Rapunzel. Yeah. They show up again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And it's it's always the same thing. You know, kind of wheedling. I'll help you, but I'm going to get something, but I'm also going to screw you over. Yes, yes, <laughs> if at all possible. <laughs> and the other thing cool about hags is, of course, they can form a coven. And when they form mm -hmm. a coven, their power level jumps. Okay. And I never do a good job as a DM having multiple NPCs talk to each other because then I feel like I'm just play acting for you guys. But I think... A skilled DM could really have fun with a hag coven because they don't like each other. Mm -hmm. Hags don't like anybody. Right. To get three of them together and just, you know, have them sort of bicker in front of the party, I think, could be really fun. Yeah, it reminds me of that mythology with the, the witches. Is it Perseus? Mm -hmm. Where it's the three witches and they all have one eye that they can see with? They've brought that into D&D. &D. Okay. They, they do have a hag's eye where they can, they can then position it anywhere they want and see you coming. Yeah, but they would just fight and bicker and, and, and just be mean to each other. And mm -hmm. do they even lose the eye in like the soup or something? I don't remember now, but, but yeah, so that's okay. So very mm -hmm. classical, it's a very classic story. Yes. Okay, yes. cool. The, the one piece of that that comes up in Monsters of the Feyland is that Fey love to make deals. Yeah. And so I don't think it's just hags, though, but it's but that's a nice component mm -hmm. that uh, and what I really like about that. And I, I'll be curious to know if this is how it works with the other categories of fae um, hags you've established will make the deal with you, but in their favor and also not only in their favor, but to pull one over on you for something awful to happen to you. Mm -hmm. I wonder, do other fae do that as well, or is that a is that a characteristic of a hag? I think hags plot that out. Mm -hmm. I would guess that with with some other fae, they might to a certain extent, but often it will be just because they aren't paying enough attention to realize this is going to hurt you. Got it. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'll give you what you want mm -hmm. without and the consequence. Thought. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. 
Okay, the next group is, I think th this is kind of cool the way they've come up with this, is this is a group of creatures that are born from strong emotion. So if, if in the Feywild, if there is a creature that experiences a really intense, usually negative emotion, mm -hmm. it can give birth to actual creatures. So I've used a few of these, but the examples that are listed are mean locks I haven't used. They're like burrowing insect-like okay. things. Boggles. Yes. And red caps. <laughs> We've encountered red caps. And I think boggles as well. You have encountered both of those, yes. Red caps are the ones with the, the they stomp. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> so they're created out of an intense emotion mm -hmm. from something else or just because of something else? Do you know what I'm saying? Is, is it something has a massive emotion so these just pop out? I or think so. is it something has an emotional I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> anyway, so, okay, these are cool. I, yeah. I like that. I like their formation. So, And again, they are, they are much more likely to be evil, usually chaotic. Mm -hmm. But again, in a storybook kind of way, comical. They were, yeah, they were willing to work with us. In fact, this is, this is the scene where, or this is the, the, the story part in Slint where Wade had to be mean. You had to bully him. I had to bully him. And that is not Wade's, that is not Wade's uh, thing. And it was kind of fun. So, I rolled well, too. Yes, you did. You did. <laughs> but they're fun because they, they're, they're the kind of, particularly Boggles, will just, just trash talk. And so it's, it's fun to, <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing, to just, as I said, trash talk, just find the most awful things you can say about the player characters. You know, it's not me, it's the Boggles saying it. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, did they say something about you as a player? I'm sorry, that's the Boggle. He must know. <laughs> so, yeah, so they're, again, they're low level. You wouldn't use them, they wouldn't be any threat at all to characters that are fourth or fifth level. But, unless they're in mass. Right. But earlier on, they can be a threat, but then they can also be sort of unruly frenemies. I was going to say, the way you used the red caps was kind of a cool way. The, the way they approached us was almost as enemy or as like a, a bully, mm -hmm. but they had information. That I think they knew where the hag was. We were looking for one of the mm -hmm. hags, and they knew where she was. And so we had to bully them to get them to show us. Right, because they're I, not, they weren't going to, they weren't of the type to like negotiate. That doesn't work for them. Right. So I, th I think that was cool. It was, it, what it did was instead of fighting them, it was a different type of fight. It was a it was a persuasion or intimidation mm -hmm. type of a battle. Yeah, which uh, which was cool. It brought a cool aspect to the game, and again made my character and really me as a player go out of my comfort zone and be a bully. <laughs> that's not that's generally not me. Um, nor was it the way the character that I built. So that was a that was a fun thing to do. And definitely brought a new aspect to the game. Mm -hmm. They were cre they're created out of intense emotional. That is in the Fae land as well, where Fae are extremely unpredictable. Even good ones are impulsive, emotional, and intense. Mm -hmm. So that explains how that might like manifest something that's in that. Like I'm picturing red caps are kind of they look like mushrooms. No, they look no. like garden gnomes. Oh, okay, okay. 
I was just with big that, boots. That, yeah, I was just picturing that like the the emotional intention, the, the intensity of the emotion might make something in in the land pop to like a sentient being. Mm-hmm. That's that's just how I'm doing it in my head. Yeah, no, that so, works too. However, all right, cool. Okay, what else do we have? The next one. This is a little bit. This one now. This is where we're having to really stretch to categorize. All right. So the category I come up with small slash insect features. <laughs> I like it. So uh, th- this is again another category that's just full of fun. You've got sprites, pixies, and quicklings. Sprites, pixies, and quicklings. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now the first two are neutral, tend toward good. Quicklings are evil. But they are, again, tiny creatures. They can't really... Pixies have no way to actually sap hit points from you at all. All they can do is try to put you to sleep or confuse you or right. you know, do some things like that. Sprites can do one hit point damage max. With little tiny rapiers is yep. how I picture them. Toothpicks. So they, usually will f- they usually are ranged because they don't want to oh, get close okay. to you. But I think I changed that a little bit for you guys, too. Mm-hmm. And so they were, they're a lot of fun to play. I, mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of fun with the names that I came up with for them. And <laughs> <laughs> they were mighty creative. <laughs> and, and so, again, the way I've used them is with the Pixies, they can fangirl on a character <laughs> and just yes. swarm and sit and, you know, and kind of embarrass and, and again, kind of get, kind of get, become rivals for the attention of one of the characters. Yeah. The sprites, I have them tough talk and and try to, you know, pick a fight, um, even though they're tiny. Mm-hmm. I picture a little tiny Peter Pan yeah. rushing down on them. You ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> <laughs> and quicklings, I haven't really used much, but I think they're just sort of an evil version of that. Okay. As the name suggests, they move very, very fast. They will come in and... Can they? I wonder. Can they steal? Like that—that that would be the kind of thing where, like, they—they they take something of yours that you might need coming up, or I don't know. But maybe mm-hmm. they're not big enough to do that kind of thing. They could if you had a, you know, a MacGuffin that was small enough. That's yeah. that's a good idea. They yeah. could probably do that, and it'd be hard to get them. Minions of something that's larger. Like you have a wand that you're going to use, mm-hmm. and the, the 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 boss sends the quicklings to rip those off of you yeah so that you walk into the battle without your main mm-hmm. things yeah okay cool i, I like the way it, when you mention that i can't help but think about bert mm-hmm. bert and his uh his fan club yeah bert's girls bert's girls <laughs> yeah that's right that's right so yeah fun those those are great role play yeah type creatures they can be harassment in a in a battle but really it's more the before and after that they can that you can have some fun with. One of my deepest moments of shame as a DM Uh-oh. was when I was uh, running a group for my daughter and uh, my high school buddies, their kids, and then my daughter. Mm-hmm. So and my daughter was over twenty, so she was a young adult. But her character had made friends with a pixie who had pixies can help you fly. So okay. they were up against our taxes. <laughs> early on our buddy my daughter has a barbarian so she was getting into melee with him because he's flying mm-hmm. and her pixie is on her shoulder and I had our taxes just blast the pixie and of course they have like <laughs> two hit points so she was dead dead and I did it just tactically because he would do that uh-huh. and cause the barbarian to fall but everybody at the table just stared at me and I'm like oh no it's, 
probably shouldn't have inflicted that emotional damage on my daughter. Actually, I don't think she she was pretty resilient about it, but like that was not nice. Maybe you should have had a sprite bully the group. And say, stop, stop, stop being that way. It happens to us. Part of our culture. All right. What else do we have? So, last group. We're right into the end one. And this is just miscellaneous. Hard to categorize. Wild. Yes. <laughs> the wild thing. So, I'll, I'll just list them quickly, and we don't okay. talk about all of them, but this is where I put the blink dog, okay. the satyr, uh, and these three others you may not be as familiar with. I only barely was aware of them. Darklings, mm-hmm. Kored, and the Yeth Hound. Ooh, the last two I don't know. The Darklings I'm, I was aware of. So the Darklings are, I'll start with them because they were brand new to me. Mm-hmm. They are cursed fae, okay. and they mm-hmm. age whenever they are in sunlight. That I did not know. That's kind of cool. So they have to stay in the dark. So as they absorb light, they age, mm-hmm. and eventually it's enough to kill them. And when they die, it's like a bomb because all of the light is released at once from their body. Hmm. So you kill a, you kill a darkling, and you're going to get you're gonna a really get bad sunburn. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So that one is, I think, pretty cool. A cored is sort of like a boggle with hair, tiny round-shaped little fey. They're not – they're neutral – and, and less likely to be uh, tricksters than boggles. They just kind of stay in the deeps like a gnome. or they're, they're sort of like deep gnomes or dwarves. They enjoy working with stone and mm-hmm. you know that sort of thing. And the Yeth Hound is an evil creature, but it's a, as the name suggests, a dog-like creature, but it's got a human head. <laughs> so it's a little awful yeah. to look at. Um, <laughs> But, of course, my favorites are the Blink Dogs and Satyrs. They're yep. a lot of fun yes. to play. the Satyrs you use quite well. <laughs> so, um. yeah, so the, the Blink Dogs are fun because they're, they are good, and I'm sure listeners know they can, they can teleport. Mm-hmm. So they can be a useful NPC to sort of tag along with the group. Right. The, the group that I play and that uh, our buddy Jay leads uh, – allowed one of our characters to keep a blink dog as a pet. Okay. We'd rescued it from cool. uh, a situation early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my, uh, the player, it worked perfectly. The player was so attached to it that he would not allow it to go into combat with us usually. He would okay. make it stay back. Oh, I see. Yeah, keep it didn't safe. want it to get hurt. Yeah. Because they're not, they're not real high on the hit point no. level either. No. Most, most fey seem to be pretty low. Yeah, there aren't. You have to go to arch fey, I think. To, you've, you've got to buff most of these. Hags can oh, yeah. take quite a bit, mm-hmm. but that's, that's really it. Okay. So, and then satyrs, of course. Um, now, again, you can, depending on the, the MPAA rating of your table, you can take satyrs in a lot of different directions. If you take them in the traditional Greek direction, mm-hmm. then you know, highly sexualized, probably very dirty mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And with us, again, middle-aged men, family guys. Thanks for calling us middle-aged. I, <laughs> I, I dialed that back and made them a little suggestive at times, mm-hmm. but for the most part, just leaned into the supposed drunkenness. And kind of just out of control behavior. Right, right. And satyrs again are. I, I always par- I tend to pair them in my mind with dryads, both forest mm-hmm. creatures, okay. and tend to see them as coexisting. 
And whereas the dryads would be more likely to show interest and compassion, satyrs, sometimes I'll have them just mock and right. just rile up mm -hmm. a, a company, a group. They do have ranged attacks. They can play their pan flute and th with that they can lull you to sleep or do, you know, just do some other things. And, mm -hmm. and so it's, they, they have some ability to make life a little uncomfortable in a way that's fun to role play. Yeah. Okay. So with the giants, we talked maybe some potential starting ideas for adventure mm -hmm. or, uh, um, for a campaign. What would be some ways in which you might use? We've talked sort of generally about how you might use some of these characters or these and these creatures as NPCs or as storylines. But what would be some like idea starters for some Fey to get involved? Hmm. It seems like they they have the they have the ability to have information mm -hmm. because of the nature in which they sort of exist. They sort of are 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 present but mm -hmm. not involved, and so they hear a lot of stuff. Is what I'm. What I'm thinking. Yeah, that's a good point. They they all have the ability to make themselves unnoticed. You know, dryads have tree stride, so they can just be. If you're in a forest, they yeah. you never know where they are, and they can get away anytime they want. Satyrs can't quite as much, but they're going to hide and run away mm -hmm. as much as possible, and the others too. So I think that's good. Yeah, that they they could be. Actually, you say that, and that does that. That would provide some variety and some interest. That yes, if you have to go to them for for information, that's a pretty typical plot point mm -hmm. in an adventure. But they would make it unique because right. they may not want to be found. They might, you know, you, you could play them any way you want, right. from drunken to wheedling to evil to just kind of detached. Right, you know, you've got all those things. So you've got that, and then, um, and then, but there are some boss-like characters potentially with Fey, where you've got the hags mm -hmm. um, that might have, you know, where you have to do some sort of a a uh, a task mm -hmm. to either please a hag, to pass through their area, or to get something that you need from them. Um, so there's some some potential there. And I think that's where Kay would. It really shines is that he has buffed up a lot of Fey to mm -hmm. give a lot of you know if you, if you want to use Fey as uh, some sort of antagonist for a higher level party, right? He's got you covered with that sort of thing. He does. I, I wrote down in um, so out of the Feyland uh, two book um, some notable Fey that are in the Land of Mir. So I mentioned that they he breaks it down by summer. The seasons, mm -hmm. and so the head of the summer court is the Oak Lord, which is these these names are really cool. I, mm -hmm. So, but also going along with that theme of of nature in many of these. So you've got the Oak Lord, uh, you have for the the head of the spring court is the Lady of Swans, the Skeleton King is the head of the Autumn Court. So kind of bringing in an undead aspect to it, mm -hmm. and then the Snow Queen as the head of the Winter Court. Now I I didn't these must be in the first book. Okay. Which I don't have, and so I wasn't able. But when I saw Snow Queen, I thought, "Oh, a hag," and that sort of. Uh, I don't know that that's what that is. I just my mind started wandering when I thought there, Snow Queen and Fay. I'm forgetting whether it's. I think it's the Burr Hag that is connected to cold. Okay. In in the D and D lore. So you could have that, and then 
I just mentioned this because you know from our conversations with Andrew how he loves to do plays on words, mm-hmm. and he's really masterful about that. Yes, one of the um, one of the secret factions of the Unseelie Un- Court is Thelonious Punk <laughs> and his punk scholars, which in uh, in the second book of the Feyland really kind of play an important role in the story that he builds here in that they have taken over the ivory tower and they have control over the well of dreams, which is the portal or what created Feyland. And so they've got some ideas of how they want to control the land. Okay. And so Thelonious nice. Punk and his punk scholars, which, which I can't help. I just, I just, you can't help but laugh at that. But, um, but they're, they're punks. I tell you, I looked, they are in this book and they, they are punks and uh, they'd be a lot of fun to uh, fight with and, and whatnot. But, but to, to your point of that, that uh, Kaywood Publishing and Andrew does a really good job of like, beefing up some of these uh, fae to where you could really create a story and have them be, you know, what your story is about. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, this is a lot of fun. I learned a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hoping to get, maybe get some clues as to where you might be going with some of these fae <laughs> and some of our upcoming stories, but I didn't really get that. But I do see now, kind of pulling the curtain back, I see now where you came from in in developing some of these characters Mm -hmm. and where they came from. And Faye is something that just sort of, I look through the DMs or the the monster manual and they just sort of are part of page turns. I hardly ever give the Faye the attention that they probably deserve. And after today and seeing how you might use them within a story that doesn't even have anything to do with Faye. Mm -hmm. But as you said, if you're in the wilderness, in any type of setting, from mountains to plains to forests to the sea, fake play an interesting role in the story. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, well, if you've used Faye in any of your stories, we'd love to hear how you've used them. Mm-hmm. Do you follow some of the interpretations that Dan and I uh, mentioned, or do you have a different interpretation of how to use a satyr or a dryad or a hag? We'd love to hear your comments on the show or on how you use Faye. You can send us an email at teachersinthedungeon at gmail.com or reach out to us through social media. We are Teachers in the Dungeon on Facebook and Instagram and at Dungeon Teachers on X or Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We also have a YouTube channel where Mm -hmm. our episodes show up. And if we're talking about something, we will put the image of, so I'd imagine in this episode, we'll see some Mm -hmm. pictures of satyrs and dryads and, and hags. And it's a different way to listen to the episode. So thank you so much for joining us for our monsters. Nope. Our cre- <laughs> 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 uh, this was going to be a mighty finish and I just <laughs> blew it. I felt I, I rolled a one on that one. Anyway, it's our creatures episode. So thank right. you for joining us on that. For Dan Rehm, I'm Tom Gross. And until next time, keep rolling those 20s. See you later. up today's session so thank you for listening to teachers in the dungeon we appreciate you and your feedback until the next time we see you in the dungeon we hope you roll high on those saving throws if you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure subscribe to the podcast have questions thoughts or ideas check the show notes for our website and our contact information This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. 
teachers in the dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.